He used to call it two, the three P's. Play, possession, and position. Football, the people say, what do you do? What are you doing to play? Hello and welcome to the Tactical Stand podcast, which analyzes the big games which have taken place during the week. I am your host, Ayush Roy. I am joined by my regular resident, Bhargav, only one, because I'm joined by a new guest, a guest who's been asking to come on the show for the last few weeks. Uh, Shubham Taraneka, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll get to you in a bit. Um, what we're going to discuss on the show today are the UEFA Champions League semifinals. Some very, very impressive results for both the English teams and not so much for the others. Uh, Bhargav, who's taken up the reins of the European Roundup, will also tell us what's going on around Europe and what's going on in France and Spain in particular towards the end of the show. Of course, we'll do our predictions of the second leg fixtures. But first, we have to come to the first leg fixtures. But before we move to PSG versus Man City and Chelsea versus Real Madrid... I would like to talk about what happened on Sunday because, uh, guys, on Sunday we were going to have, if not the biggest game in English football, one of the biggest games in English football, Manchester United versus Liverpool. I wouldn't say this game mattered a lot because of where Manchester United are in the league. They're second. Uh, it's kind of expected that they're going to get top four, even though it's not officially confirmed. But with Liverpool, it was a very important game because... They're still in the race for top four and it's looking like it could go out of hand if they don't get results right now. Um, but we all know, Bhargav, we talked about the European Super League a couple of weeks ago. We devoted one particular episode on the Super League. And then we also talked about the Chelsea protest, which is why the English Premier League clubs decided to opt out of it. And that, start, that sort of started a good number of protests. Of course, Arsenal protesting outside their ground before a game. And United, as we all expected, and we all saw on Twitter, because this is something which was planned. They went ahead with the protests. It was a planned thing to get there at 2 p.m. to protest, a peaceful protest outside the club. And yet it went a bit too more. It went more than peaceful, you could say, because fans managed to get inside the stadium. They went on the ground. Uh, I've seen people say they vandalized the ground or something like that. That's not true because they were still checking up on the pitch. And the reason the game got called off wasn't the pitch. It was other reasons, basically. But the fact that they managed to get into the ground means the, there was a highly unlikely chance that the game was going to continue. And a couple of hours later... Um, we obviously found out that the game has been called off. And we still, as we're recording, we still don't have a date uh, for when it's going to be going to happen again. I think the rumors are saying 15th to 16th May, but you, we don't know. We don't know as we record. Um, Bargo, before I get on my rant, because I really do, uh, as a City fan, I just wanted to know, because you have had a, we've had a lot to talk about the European Super League in the last couple of weeks. And this is one where... Uh, is the biggest protest out of all of them, you could say, in certain extents. What is your feeling towards this? 
from a sporting perspective i would have liked the game to go ahead uh, not just because i mean obviously it's uh, in my self interest as a city enthusiast because effectively liverpool winning that game would have meant that you know city would have sealed the title uh, even before the chelsea game uh, would have gone on over the weekend but it is also uh, i mean it's a, it's a good game to watch whenever it comes on isn't it i mean two big english clubs battling it out uh, especially at the back end of the season where it's so important to pick up any kind of maximum points that you can achieve and you know liverpool certainly needed because you know that they're, they're languishing in a position they did not expect to be at the start of the season so you you are talking about a club that desperately wants to you know qualify for the champions league and maybe they will see europa league as some respite but obviously you know this game represented uh, you know a lot of traditions a lot of history attached to to the fixture and you know plus in the current scope of things they they did want to give their you know supporters a good fight but um from a larger perspective as as a football fan i mean like we've discussed this fans have the power to influence all kinds of you know decision in this sport particularly because this is a sport for the fans i mean it's it's been introduced it's it's had its own legacy uh, with people gathering around in you know great numbers to to witness spectacles to to influence decisions and we have talked about the 50 plus 1 ownership that has been prevalent in germany and you know that's something what united fans were essentially protesting for and uh, you know from my limited knowledge i believe the the, the glazers and the united fans have never had a, a lovely marriage should we say uh, they've always been at crossroads with each other which either you know they they've always been at each other's throats uh, it's it's obvious that you know they they want out uh, they they want the the american you know people not running their club because they don't keep the interests of the club uh, you know front hand uh, than they're supposed to they're just you know prioritizing the business model taking you know uh, money out of the club instead of you know what's happened supposed to happen uh, you know reversibly with with any kind of ownership model so i just think that you know it's it's been bubbling over the 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 anger of you know united fans and arsenal fans in a separate protest and the esl has just tipped them off they feel that you know they have to make a statement and what better statement than you know one of the traditionally old rivalry between you know united and liverpool it's, it's a game which people were anticipating a lot of you know electricity on the pitch but uh, unfortunately you know all these emotions were made uh, you know very well known off the pitch yeah but i think uh, bhargav of course as i mentioned we've been talking about the european super league and our thoughts before on on these owners basically and so i know your point of view i move it to you shubham because you is the first time you're on the uh, podcast so again not only do i not know your uh, views on the situation but also the fact that you're a chelsea fan and uh, the chelsea's fans that was the first protest wasn't it that was the protest that essentially stopped the european super league from going ahead because once peter check came out and said we're stopping it and then city came out a couple of hours later saying they're stopping it as well and then within that day as you go off to sleep every single premier league club has tweeted that they're out of the european super league so um you've seen now your team's fans protest arsenal protest uh united protest hopefully we see more protests now we've seen small protests in liverpool and tottenham as well if i'm not mistaken what what is your thought process behind this I think it's all down to the money that the clubs are receiving. You see, uh, the man who is there at the top, Fiorentino Perez, and obviously the second one being Andrea uh, Agnelli. 
the Juventus president. These two people were the reason behind the formation of the European Super League. And also, we all know that uh, until a point, there was only four uh, Premier League clubs that had agreed to the European Super League, except Chelsea and Man City. Just a week back, they were forced to choose whether you are going into the Super League or not. But considering the clubs that were part of it, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, AC Milan, and all these top clubs being part of that, the clubs had to uh, get into the Super League. Because all in all, you know, it was all down to the money. If you have Premier League, you have Champions League, you have Europa League, you have all these leagues coming in. But if the model proposes to pay you 400-500 million per season, then that is going to get the club out of the debt. Especially someone like Real Madrid and Barcelona who are already in like 1 billion debt at the moment. That is going to help them. And obviously, when money comes, then no owner or no uh, uh, chairman is going to stop it from happening. But yeah, obviously, from a fan perspective, from a footballing perspective, from a neutral perspective, we all know there were serious repercussions for this. The UEFA president and FIFA president both said that any player who, any player or any team that joins this European Super League, they will be banned from playing for the national team. They won't be a part of the league system. They, it would be completely different from what it is going to be in the European Super League. And we all know what happened. It started with Chelsea fans. It started actually with Liverpool fans a day back. Then the Chelsea fans uh, protesting. Then Arsenal and United fans took it to a different level, obviously. Because, you know, even though right now the clubs have stepped out of the European Super League, but there are still chances that maybe six months or one year down the line, there might be a new format of the European Super League with more money involved. And we never know if someone like Glazer or like any any owner of the club, they might just get into the European Super League just for money without thinking about the fans, the football pundits, the, everyone watching football all over the world. They don't care. Let's be very honest. Yes, they, don't care. they don't care. It's, it's, it's about the rich being rich. Exactly. The rich are just trying to be even more rich, which is which is uh, something which I come to. And I, I, I obviously come back to the point you made, Shubham, about uh, Chelsea and City being told to be in there or just, you know, not be a part of it, essentially. Join it to be a part. And, you know, I, I think about the two most successful clubs in the last decade, you can say, and that in the Premier League is what I'm talking about. And you can say it's obviously Chelsea and City to a definite extent. And you and you can see, and with you guys, it's your owners have done good for your club, if that makes sense. So, you know, if they do make one mistake, as they did with the European Super League, let's not, let's not you know, beat around the bush. It was a big mistake from every single owner involved. But you can sort of let that slide away because of the good things that they have done for your club. The Premier Leagues you've won. Chelsea's won a Champions League. City are in the best position as they have ever been to win a Champions League this season. It's because of the good stuff that the owners have done with the club. But with my club, Manchester United in particular, we have been having a problem. And this I'm, I'm talking as a global fan. I've come to the UK in 2019. Before that, I was a global fan like you two as well. I was in India watching the game. And I know the problems that the Glazers have caused. And these are problems they have caused when Sir Alex Ferguson was managing the, club, managing the club. So, you know, when you hear people say, oh, you have a problem because you're not winning. No. United fans were protesting at Old Trafford when Sir Alex Ferguson was there. When we were winning Premier Leagues, a couple of years after we won the Champions League, when we were winning titles, we still had a problem with them. And it's continuously just become bigger and bigger and bigger ever since they've joined the club. As I mentioned, I think people forget, you mentioned about Real Madrid and Barcelona's debt, Shubham. Have, have, have you mentioned, do you know that Manchester United's debt has increased four times since 
the glazers took it over and the glazers took it over in debt bhagav I, i might not have heard this from you but i've heard this from other fans or other city fans or chelsea fans as in um, you know the glazers have invested money no they haven't you know we have spent a lot of money in the last couple of years maybe even more than a manchester city or around the same amounts but it's not come from the glazers pocket it's come from what the club has earned because it's been so successful for 20 years what the glazers have done is they've not only taken that money and said you know you use that amount to buy your players buy your paul pogba your bruno fernandes your harry maguires they've also taken money out of that they've taken 2 billion pounds out of this club and i comes back to the fact of why are you complaining you've got an owner who's ready to you know you've paid you you've spent so much money why are you complaining well this is what happens if you don't complain because if you don't complain and you don't think that oh um, they're spending money it's not a problem even though you know we've got a decaying uh, club the ground is in shatters apparently at the moment um the um, the money's been going we're not investing as much as we were 5 years later because they refused to put money in it all emulgates to a sense of a uh, confidence and a sense of i can do anything as an owner because the fans cannot say anything or don't say anything and what happens is and you mentioned that shubham again something which you mentioned about real madrid's uh, frontino perez and agnelli from juventus uh, being one of the front runners to start this league the glazers are also there and it's the fact that the glazers can come out and say we're going to start we're going to start a european super league and we don't care about the fans because let's be honest they don't uh joel glazer has ta- has not talked even once to manchester united fans and he's been running the club for more than 10 years so um i know i was i everybody expected me to go for a run before the recording and i have but um this is the this protest showed a bigger picture you know whatever happens from it and i know there are a couple of hooligans which you will get in a big crowding you know you and we're talking about a 10 a group of 10000 people and you know there will be a couple of people who will fight and we i don't resonate with them i don't agree with them but you expect to get that but the majority of the people who went for the protest yesterday and i'm sad i couldn't go because i'm in a different city um is that they were the, the whole plan was a peaceful protest and it was, the genuine thing was to stop this game because let's be, let's not be very honest the magnitude of being able to stop manchester united versus liverpool because of fan protests it's it's unbelievable and, and it, it you are if 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 you don't understand the significance of that you will very soon because so many things go behind a game like this you guys sitting in india right now there's broadcasts around the country in india around the world at a particular time so that people can watch Manchester United versus Liverpool for two and a half hours or three hours with you know pre-match and post-match stuff. To take that away from across the world for a couple of hours. Think about the money. Think about the people who work. You know who earn money for being able to broadcast that for three hours. You know people talking about it. Everybody could not do that for three hours on a Sunday when it was planned. That. definitely would strike a nerve into the glazers because they will notice it even though they're sitting comfortable in their deluxe flats or wherever they are in the US they have noticed this and this is not going to be enough i'll be very honest but it's a start and it it should not stop now i'm not saying uh, it should all be protest and everybody should be running onto the into the grounds not at all but this is a start 
to try and get a message and try and, well, get them to sell the club, if hopeful, fingers crossed. But yeah, that's the uh, the end of my rant. Uh, it's gone on for quite longer than I expected. But now let's go back to the reason why we do this podcast, guys, which is the analysis of uh, the big matches that have taken place. And we're very lucky to be at a time when we're coming to the end of the season and we've got some huge games which have happened. And we talked about the UEFA Champions League first legs last week. Bhargav, we did predictions. We moved to the Paul the Octopus uh, predictions at the end of the show and the fact that you won. We'll mention that later. But um, already mentioned it. But um, we'll talk about the first game, which I think was maybe the bigger of the two. If, and I know disrespect, Shubham. I know you're a Chelsea fan. But uh, PSG in the last couple of years have done some great stuff in the Champions League, uh, reaching the final last season, uh, beating Bayern Munich defending champions and FC Barcelona uh, this season. And yet Manchester City went to their home and got an incredible 2-1 victory over them. I'll start with you, Bhargava. I'll start with the City fan. And um, must have been a very, very good night for you. But what did you take out of the game? First things first, what I took out of the game was that, you know, Pep put the right players in the right positions. Because <laughs> it's something he's been known for perennially... Uh, doing in, <laughs> in the knockout fixtures. So, he's got one thing right at, at the start of the game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, it wasn't the best of starts for City. Uh, make no mistake, we were rocked about in, you know, complete fashion by, you know, the, the home team. And Paris was, they were definitely buzzing on the counters, on the, on the build-ups. At, on the set pieces, which uh, they eventually found a way to score with, and it has been a deficiency for City, uh, as much as you know we have talked about other clubs. If you have to, you know, uh, point out a chink in you know uh, Pep's armor, his his coaching uh, armor, I think you know defending and attacking set pieces is not something that's you know he's held a great record, uh, considering the number of you know set pieces that we do generate. So. First 30 minutes, in my opinion, not not a not a not a great start at all uh, from the visitors, and you know, but the the important thing was they didn't uh, lose their shape uh, at least in terms of the defense. I know you can call that you know harrowing down, and you know uh, you know you can always buckle under pressure to you know the magnitude of a team such as PSG. I mean, obviously, God, you got Neymar and Mbappe to contend with that itself. You know, strikes fear in uh, you know any opponent. So, I mean, I would have expected City to get frazzled a little bit, but the, the good thing or the progress, should I call it, uh, you know, under Pep is, uh, despite it being four seasons, uh, you know, later, the, the fifth attempt, I saw a City that was not, you know, willing to concede the second uh, out of desperation just because they went a goal behind. And we've seen this in the past, you know, where one goal down, two goal down, it, you know, it, it causes panic. It causes, you know, a, a frantic nature in the city midfielders and attackers. They start, you know, spacing a little bit between the defensive lines. Uh, they leave space in the middle, incorrect passing, you know, misplaced passes rather. That's the, that's the more appropriate term. And, you know, it just enables the opponent to, you know, capitalize on all that fear that they, they you know, explicitly show on the pitch. So that is something that they avoided. And, you know, obviously it was... It was a brilliant second half. I mean, it was definitely uh, a, a contra-opposite, you know, to, to what we saw in the first. And, you know, that obviously, you know, it, it, it attributed to changing the, changing the you know, uh, shape a little bit, changing the defensive lines a little bit. You, if you observe it, you know, from, from the bird's eye view, they started to go a little higher up 
whereas you know you know uh, conversely in the first half you saw that you know uh, verratti you know uh, martinez you know italy's agwe and the wingers obviously de maria you know neymar mbappe they were all you know harassing the the city defenders a lot more and you know it was allowing them to get into that that you know uh, final third of the pitch so what they did you know bet- better was you know because you have to get closer to the goal so essentially you're just you know shifting the team by a few notches so the defense goes you know one notch higher up the pitch the midfield goes one notch higher up the pitch and obviously the attack you know it's it's much more closer to the goal so i mean it's it's kudos to pep obviously you know the the first goal was a bit of a luck but uh, you know in such competitions you do need luck alongside ability as well and, 100% uh, yeah i mean yeah, overall i just you know i was pretty impressed with the way you know city approached this game and you know still big 90 minutes to go but two away goals definitely lays down the foundation Yeah, Bhargav, I completely agree. You definitely, uh, it's a big 90 minutes ahead. Um, but yeah, I think uh, coming back to uh, your analysis, and I think one thing which you did talk about was, you know, City never lost that composure after going 1-0 down. And I think um, we talked about the Chelsea game a couple of weeks ago when they did, in a way, lose their composure when they went 1-0 down. And I felt that that, that half-time break... must have held the side you know sit down and relax and say you know there's still 45 minutes here don't concede the second goal get a bit more forward you know two free kicks essentially got won them the game at the end that was because they pressed forward and look some of their football was fantastic the chance which Phil Foden missed after such beautiful play that was that was scintillating stuff yeah i mean and you know plus the lack of a number 9 is another point that you will need to highlight despite yep. you know the brilliant performance that city put up so i mean it's 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 not a secret and we've discussed it on this show in the past as well that you know um, for much of the season people think that you know pep has been uh, he's he's been playing a false nine out of his choice okay i mean make no mistake he has in some games he's wanted to preserve the fluidity wanted to preserve the overall structure of the way the game should be played against that particular opponent but at the same time he would have wanted a natural number 9 now you know because of aguero's recurring injury issues and jesus's lack of you know ability to get into you know the uh, the 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 6 yard box and yeah. play as a natural striker you know we've seen him drift a little bit wide to enable someone else to go into the central position or he comes a little bit deeper the way for new plays for liverpool a little bit so he's been molding around that you know 8 and a half 9 and a half position but never a comfortable number 9 mm-hmm. so from that perspective i think he's missed a number 9 very dearly and you know it could still i mean it could still you know cost city in the second leg as well and as it has you know in some of the losses and some of the draws that you know uh, city have faced this season so I mean, I saw Cancelo, I saw Walker, you know, drifting in so many times into the box. Even Kevin De Bruyne fashioning a lot of chances, yeah. but never that you know number nine centre forward presence over there to convert the chances. And it could very, very easily have been you know three one, or at least three one, if not you know more than that. Uh, you know, especially after the red card, I felt that Pep missed a little bit of a trick, not bringing on a centre forward for the last ten minutes because you know I would have ex- yeah, I mean I would have expected at least Jesus or Aguero, if not both. to come on to the pitch and capitalize because you know how precious away goals are but you know he decided against it he thought you know psg was still a threat with 10 men and so you know that's how the leg ended but you know there are still these final issues that you know pep has to correct despite a good performance away in paris 
and one of them being you know the set pieces which you can't turn overnight but you can be better observant when you know a defender like marquinhos is running into the box yeah. cross functionally to you know head the goal and you know he's an aerial presence and you know similarly just utilizing the chances that you can get up front and maybe after aguero's goal at the weekend he can you know come on a little bit and show his magic definitely we all know what aguero is capable on his day isn't it so but but in saying that you never know what's going to happen in the second leg remember psg are a side who have impressed largely throughout this season i think i think alongside city maybe the informed team you could easily say so let's see what happens there um looking forward to pochettino uh, and psg facing man city but now we move to our second game which was another impressive um performance from an english side uh chelsea traveling to uh, madrid to play real madrid a team who just uh, knocked out liverpool uh, which was a quite an impressive display you could say uh, thomas tuchel obviously has done a great job and uh, since joining chelsea nobody none of us are going to argue about that they've they've lost very few games they've kept many clean sheets and uh, they didn't keep a clean sheet but a very very impressive one all uh, draw against real madrid which they take back to stamford bridge on wednesday which we were recording on monday so that's day after tomorrow essentially um shubham i move it to you now what was your impression on chelsea's performance on the day okay so i am i'm pretty much happy with the overall performance in the first leg so i think uh, first half was all about chelsea we could have sealed it in the first half itself two or three goals could have been easily scored had werner not missed it pulisic got his opportunity he scored it and there were another couple of opportunities at werner Kante was fantastic in the first half, so there was just Super. no stopping. There was just no stopping Kante. I think we were just, you know, uh, uh, going into an away game, Champions League. We could see on the re- the reactions of the players that they were just worried. They, the pressure was there. So even though we were leading one nil, but we could already see that players want to make sure that we don't concede the goal. And because of that fear, we saw Benzema. Uh, we made one mistake in the game and benzema scored in fact benzema had another opportunity which hit the crossbar but again uh, first half was all about chelsea and second half i would say that madrid just started dominating from the midfield modric cruz and casemiro they realized that it is important to do get the game in the midfield because chelsea comparatively have not such a strong midfield in jorginho and kante compared to theirs so that is where the game shifted in the second half and we could see that you know champions league game 1-1 no team wanted to concede we were the either of the teams were waiting for the other to make mistake and then score the goal but overall you know uh, considering uh, the werners miss which i think any center forward should have scored that going into the second leg i feel that thomas tuchel has to make some serious decision on whether he should be starting or not because recently just a week in this week uh, kai havertz scored a brace and we saw he is being used as a number 9 in many of the games so if that opportunity of if you just get one chance in the 90 minutes of football and you have to convert i would rather have havertz giroud or tammy abraham than werner because if this is a game against real madrid and i would prefer havertz there rather than werner so yeah one big learning for chelsea fans for the manager obviously has to be that if he thinks of starting werner in the in the next game then he has to also make sure that he has decent confidence going into the game because he can't miss those chances and these are champions league semi finals yeah. and a team like real madrid you just can't 
go like that you have to get, uh, score uh, your opportunities and then we'll see what happens i move this conversation to you bhargav because amazingly enough we were talking about timo warner just last week and saying he gets into great positions he obviously scored the winner against west ham a very important fixture in the a uh, top 4 race yes. but we also have to remember he did miss a much more easier chance in that game and yes. then of course we had the one against real madrid the miss that he had early on we talked about him at length and said that you know if we finish if he finishes his chances you're looking at a 20 goal season from him but shubham brings up a good point here where he says that if because it keeps on happening um doesn't make sense not to start him and thomas tuchel also talked about him after the game didn't he saying that it's not a good sign if a striker is missing easy chances like that so we talked about him and said that you know you need to have him because he gets in the right positions but do you agree with shubham here bargov that maybe it makes sense if you if you don't start him and start a kai havertz or even like olivier giroud or tammy hebram or somebody come the second leg so i mean to tell you the truth in fact you know listening to shubham there i i think you know kai havertz also offers tactical flexibility to tuchel uh, which he very you know very honestly he prefers on the on the pitch i mean we saw that you know with kante's role he essentially managed to fool the entire real madrid team for at least the first half i mean the fact that zidane was not able to make a plug and play switch over there on the field letting you know them assume that kante was essentially going to be playing a deeper role meant that you know uh, i mean he completely outfoxed them so essentially you know you know pulisic warner already playing up front mason mount is now getting into you know uh, a central attacking midfield role rather than you know just you know an attacking central midfield role which is much different you know in terms of the the positioning and then you also have a kante bombarding up front as well so given that the, these are you know some of the few tactical refineries that he was he was able to do with you know the personnel on the pitch in the first leg having havertz who has played right wing in fact at leverkusen means that you know he he's able to uh, you know put in mason mount for a greater responsibility on the pitch because essentially mason mount may you know either come up with chances he'll be he'll, be, he'll manage to do one of the two things either he is going to you know take up you know responsibility of creating chances for you know uh, you know bombarding full backs or you know the cutting inside wingers or he will go ahead and shoot himself you know as an actual center forward and that's something that we are used to seeing you know mason mount do over you know, at least uh, you know the, the latter part of the season so kai havertz you know be, being in the team uh, gives you know to to chill the uh, you know uh, the idea that you know if something does go horribly wrong in the first 15 minutes at real madrid because you will expect real madrid to you know get that away goal because they are one shot currently you know as things stand so you and the best time to you know outfox any opposition is just when the game has started and we've talked about this in the past as well how important the first 15 20 minutes are in any game because then you know the the tempo settles it a little bit and you know, the, the controllers keep changing depending on you know what the midfield and defenses are so playing havertz yes it offers you know that uh, that that bit of a tactical flexibility in addition even you know uh, if you are not you know totally off the warner camp if you still have some you know solidarity for him this could be a motivating you know factor for him the fact that okay in an important game the manager has decided to put me on the bench so instead of you know wanting to sulk and you know be angry about that fact 
what he can realize is that okay at some point in time i know that i'm still you know an, an integral member of the squad i'm going to come in at some point of time in the second leg maybe you know 60 minutes 70 minutes if the game is not going well and if if at that time chelsea do really need a goal i am all pumped up and fired up to be in the right positions at least and you know if if i'm lucky enough to get the chances i'm going to do my best to convert them and sometimes you know you know confidence and morale does the world of good to a player and you know this is something that we often exclude from you know tactical discussions but the fact of the matter is in pressure you know high high you know high stage pressure situations you do see that you know the, the best of the players do come out on the pitch and express themselves which is what the champions league semi finals and finals are all about so Uh, I don't necessarily see it as a disadvantage. Yes, play. You know, you can you can afford to play Havertz in the second leg, starting alongside you know Pulisic and Mount. But you know, Werner should very well be ready to accept the fact that he might have to. He'll be used in the game at some point in time, and when the ch- chance does land at his feet, he is you know in an important position, having already done half of the work right. Convert convert the chance with any kind of confidence that he has. I think he'll definitely be involved in some capacity, whether he starts or comes off the yep. bench. He will be involved in this game, and yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how Tuchel wants to play with him, whether he starts or not. Be very interesting to see that. But Bhargav, it's crazy because you mentioned two things, which were um, the first fifteen minutes of, ga- of a game can set the tempo, and a player should be confident going in. And these are two things which can change a game on its head, but has nothing related to tactics about it, which is quite interesting. But to end this topic, Shivam, I'll move to you and I'll talk about your team's opponents, Real Madrid, and it's something which I noticed. And I don't know about you two gentlemen, but um, towards the end of the game, even though it was one all, I sensed a sense of comfortability in Real Madrid, and I don't know what you guys agree with. But up, you know, I was watching the game towards the last five minutes, and with two minutes to go, they decided to bench Karim Benzema and put Rodrigo in, and that something hit me because. When you've got two minutes left in a game where it's one all, they have the away goal. You'd rather take a two-one back to Stamford to Stamford Bridge than take a one all there to bench the person who got the goal and be, be arguably their most consistent player this season. Benzema has done great stuff at Real Madrid this season. That sort of hit me and saying, are they a bit too comfortable here? I'm, I'm not saying that it's they're going to thrash Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, but there was that sense of. Um, You know we're comfortable. We'll take this. We can take this as Sanford Bridge kind of a thing. Shivam, did you see that, or do you think I'm just you know assuming things basically? No, no, no. I don't think so. That was the Benzema substitute was more of a tactical thing. So I think they had already accepted the fact that this is going to be a draw because had they just pushed him in that game, it was raining. All day, so there were chances of injury as well. We we saw Marcelo got injured, Danny Carvalho got injured, Very and true. even few of our Chelsea players got knocked, which was like even Antonio Rudiger got injured in that game, and he's a serious doubt in the second leg. So you know they wanted to stay away from that. Obviously, being one-one in the game, you always have a chance going to Stamford Bridge. You know we've always seen over the years that Stamford Bridge Chelsea open up. We are not good. Uh, in a def- defensive approach at Stamford Bridge compared to the away games, so they knew that going one-one into the game, we still have a chance, and Chelsea will always be under pressure. So yeah, I think the Benzema thing was what I had already expected, and it was more about going into the second leg and winning at Stamford Bridge for Real Madrid. And what are your expectations from uh, the second leg? We'll obviously move into the predictions in our last yeah. section, Paul, the October, yes. but. Before we do that, um, what do you think? Do you think Tuchel is going to 
um, set up any different to what he did in the first leg? We did talk about Timo Werner a couple of minutes. Okay. Ago. Anything else you see happening? I, I don't think I don't think there's any, going to be anything different. The only thing is going to be it's between Rudiger and Zuma in the back line. Chilwell is going to start. Obviously, Aspilicueta at right wing back isn't as good as Risa James. So, we expect Risa James to be back at right wing back. And three defenders in Christensen, Thiago Silva and either of Zuma and Rudiger. And midfield, there are slight chances that Kovacic might just play. But because if I feel that if Kovacic plays, then this is going to be very tough game for Real Madrid because he has been our best player. He has been a player of the season last year. So, if Kovacic is fit for that game, I think uh, we are going to just wrap up at Real Madrid. So, I still expect Jorginho and Kante to start and the three players I personally want is Pulisic, Mount and Kai Havertz going to the game. Uh, just because of the fact that there might just be one chance that lands into the game and I still feel I'll have Kai Havertz, Giroud or Tammy Abraham to score that rather than Timo Werner. Mm. So, he always has that. He, he can be used as a sub if we are already leading in the game 1-0 or 2-1. He can come in the game. His pace can be used. He's also good, like uh, pretty good in tracking back when we are chasing, when we are already leading a game. So I think, yeah, I would rather go with someone like Kai Havertz or Giroud in this game rather than Werner. Interesting. Well, we're going to find out what you uh, predict for this game. But before that, Bhargav, we have a European roundup. So could you uh, tell us what's going on around Europe? Yeah, quite a few interesting things actually over the weekend. Uh, Inter obviously, you know, winning their title. Uh, so that's congratulations that's to them. Yeah, yeah, congratulations to them indeed. And uh, you know, Bayern one win away from their league. City one win away from their league. But here's where it really starts to get interesting. Uh, you know, in in uh, League One and La Liga, uh, especially in France, because you know, uh, Lille just won their game two 0 and they have kept that one point advantage over PSG. Who are now going to be playing tomorrow in the second leg. So you can expect them to, you know, the, most of their 18 players to be playing in tomorrow's game. And that will in turn, you know, ask questions of whether they are still able to put up, you know, a strong, uh, you know, strong side over the weekend against, you know, their League One opponents. So, you know, with three games to go, uh, it's, you know, it's definitely looking like a three-way tussle. Lyon obviously lost their game to Monaco. Uh, who were three and four, incidentally, and you know it seems like you know Leon are uh, now you know now a little bit out of contention, but uh, I think it's certainly going to be an end-to-end you know decider between uh, Lille and PSG. Uh, far across, when we go to Spain, obviously you know there there were uh, two two games over there. Uh, Real Madrid won their game uh, against Osasuna. That was a little bit straightforward, but Barcelona, all, you know, they, they found themselves uh, wanting a little bit more. Luckily, managed to scrape through a 3-2 victory, keeping themselves in contention. So, as it stands, uh, you know, the, uh, the the dynamic is, you know, certainly favoring Barcelona a little bit in terms of momentum and form. But, you know, hold your horses because over the weekend, there are two big They're games. Playing yeah, Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona and Real Madrid versus Sevilla. And that's effectively one versus four and two. I mean, sorry, one versus three. What a timing for the game. Just four games to go and you have these top four teams playing each other. Correct. So, I mean, that's that's a dynamic right there. You know, it's uh, it's changing bit by bit with every, you know, weekend that we get into. And so I think by the time, you know, we approach this uh, next week's episode, we should be able to see who is, you know, having that little bit of an edge in both La Liga and League One. 
I think there's always a thing of, you know, we come next week and we can predict who's going to win the league or who's going to win the Champions League. And we're like, oh, hopefully we can do that. But at the end of the day, deep down you think, maybe not, you know, M- might as well go to the last day and try and find out who's going to win. You know, you don't know, you don't know which one you'd prefer at the end of the day. But yeah, was- yeah, more like, yeah, more like who's going to push who. Exactly. In order to win the league. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I think Atletico Madrid top of the league with 76 points and Real Madrid Barcelona both on 74, 74 points. 74 points. points. And Sevilla's on 70. So 70. they're six points away. But, but with a game in hand. With a game in hand. They're yeah. going to be playing Athletic Club today. So, yeah. So they'll be, they could easily be on 73 by by the end. When, when this show, when this episode comes out, they could be on 73 points. Definitely in it, having a game against Real Madrid coming up next. So very, very exciting times. Thank you so much for the European Roundup, Bhargav. And now we move to our final section, which is the Paul the Octopus section. Shubham, you've not been on the episode before. What we do is we predict uh, three or four, whatever big games are in the coming week. Um there's a small inter-battle going on between me and Bhargav. Uh, I'm very uh, sad to say that Bhargav won last week, and so it's 5-2 to him, and I'm losing time now. In time and repeat the scoreline. Repeat the scoreline once more. Yep. Uh, looking at the scorelines, and you got the Chelsea-Real Madrid, Real Madrid game bang on. You went for a one-all draw, and that's exactly what happened. I went for a 1-0 win to... Um, no, I went for a 3-0 win to Real Madrid, so I was completely off the line. And to be fair, I'm going through my results, and I, I think I was off the line in the majority of them. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, you also got Villarreal and Arsenal uh, victory, not the scoreline, but the victory, right? And you got um, PSG versus City. We both got wrong. You went for a PSG win. So did I. City got the win. So none of us, actually, even Hari, didn't get that right. But we move to the second legs of all the fixtures we predicted. And for Shivam, who was not there, we're going to be predicting Chelsea versus Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge, City versus PSG at the Etihad Stadium, uh, Roma versus Manchester United. Of course, Manchester United winning 6-2 in the first leg. As a United fan, I'm going to say that more and more as the episode... So, if, so, so Ayush, just, just to interrupt over here, if I win you know, this week's predictions... Effectively, the scoreline between us in an eternal battle would equal that of United against Roma, isn't it? 6-2. Well done. Well done. <laughs> but that's not the goal. The goal is 5-3. Uh, so, let's see. And, of course, Villarreal versus Arsenal. Villarreal getting a 2-1 win, but Arsenal with that crucial away goal. Do Arsenal pip it, get past Villarreal, or do, does Unai Emery get one over his former side? Let's see what you guys have to say. We start off... With the first game taking place on Tuesday, which is the same day this episode will be out. City versus PSG. Let's start with the Chelsea fan. <laughs> uh, Shivam, what do you think is going to happen in the second leg? I am expecting an exciting game. So, I would say uh, PSG win 2-1, Man City win in extra time. Oh, wow. Man City win in extra time or even in penalties. Okay. So, it's going, it's going to be coming down to something, a player getting a red card. And then the fortunes changing in favor of the other club is what I'm expecting. Brilliant, absolutely. That's bold. Great. Great. Fantastic game. Because I am 100% sure they are going to go all out against Manchester. They are going to give their best. But I am also sure that Man City at their home are going to be Pep Guardiola is going to train their team in such a way that you have to just grind it. He hasn't played a Champions League final since last 10 years. And this is the only time, this is the best opportunity for them. They've already won the first leg. Yeah. 
and what better than this i mean and if mbappe but i also feel that if mbappe doesn't play this game then i don't think this psg has the chances of getting this that's he has also to there play. it's a big doubt on whether he will be fit absolutely bhargav city fan yeah. what do you think is happening let's go pragmatic here one all okay <laughs> we'll uh, exit going safe just going safe <laughs> Okay, so we've got a PSG win, but City win on City go to the final on penalties. We've got a very pragmatic one-all draw. I well, as a United fan, I do not want City to go to the final. I think that's very, very understood. Yet I do think PSG will have something to say, as they do whenever they go away from home. Surprisingly, I'm going to go for a three-one victory to PSG on the night. Um, I still hope that City that City don't reach a final, and I can make up. I can make fun of Bargov when we do this podcast. Next week, but well, he's five two up in prediction. So I mean, who's having the laugh right now? Being a Premier League fan, you should hope that all our English teams reach the final. Never, never, <laughs> never. <laughs> this will be the best case. Europa League final, all an English, all English final, and the same Champions League. Shubham, let me be very successful. Only class. English side I want to go to a final is Manchester United. Let's be very, very frank. But of let's move on to uh, the second leg of the second Champions League fixture. Which is Shivam your club? Chelsea versus Real Madrid, one all from the first leg. What do you think Shivam is going to happen in the first, in the in the in the match? I just I just want to be positive for this game. I think a one nil to Chelsea okay. in the ninety minutes, and most probably I think this it could be a two one. But I don't see us losing the game against Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. So I'll go for one nil or two one to Chelsea. One nil is not the most unexpected score you'd hear from a Thomas Tuchel side. Let's be very honest. Uh, Bhargav, on the same lines, or do you think Real Madrid could do something here? I think Real Madrid could do something very well here. Uh, that's why I'm going for a two-one for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, some some Benzema madness maybe to <laughs> to to crown the victory for Real Madrid. Okay, very very interesting. So one's gone for a Chelsea win, the other's gone for a Real Madrid win. What do I do? <laughs> um, I think I'm. I think I. For some reason, again, I know Shubham, you disagreed with me when we were analyzing the game that Real Madrid were not. Uh, I thought Real Madrid were comfortable, right? But I, I still think that they have that sense. And you know, we're talking about uh, four-time Champions League winners in the last what six, seven years. They have a lot of players who are, you know, built for this stage, played this stage many, many times in the last couple of years. And I think they'll they'll some. And and the Chelsea team is. On the other hand, not that experienced, much much more inexperienced in playing a Champions League semi-final. So I think Real Madrid will have enough to go through. I'm going to go for the same result which I went for the City PSG. I'm going for a three-one win to Real Madrid away from home. We now move to um, the Europa League games, which are going to take place on Thursday. We'll start off with the United Roma game. Of course, United. Um, Uh, are one six two on the night, so I think you'd expect um, United to go through. Um, but do we think Roma will win on the night and still not go through, Bhargav? No, no, no. I mean, it's too late for all of that. So I think you know United are just going to play it, you know, cool. Maybe Roma will get the goal in there. So final scoreline one all. United, you know, sadly they go through to the Europa League final. <laughs> Shubham, do you think Roma will have some? Yeah, I think no, no. I don't think that's possible. I'm ex- I'm ex- predicting a one-one or a two-two on the night. That would be it, and I don't think United are going to lose. So it's I don't just think... a scoring draw for me. Yeah, I don't for think 
I don't think United will lose as well. It's going to be a close one because United will take this opportunity to rest a couple of players. But I'll still go for a 2-0 victory to United. Now we go to the interesting other semi-final <laughs> with um, Arsenal losing 2-1. And Shubham can laugh as a Chelsea fan, laughing quite a bit right now. Shubham, what do you think is going to happen in the second leg at the Emirates Stadium? Yeah, as I said before, I want, I personally want uh, all four English teams in the final. Europa League, Arsenal versus United mm-hmm. and Chelsea versus Manchester City. This, this is going to be the best time to be a Premier League fan. So, I hope that Arsenal also win that game, but I am, I don't know, Arsenal just being Arsenal, I just, I think, I think Villarreal are going to go through. Okay, Villarreal are going to go yeah, through. They're going to scrap prediction. it. Bhargav, you were the only one who predicted, actually no, you and Hari both predicted a Villarreal victory, which I did not. Um, so you thought that Villarreal were going to go into the second leg with an advantage, which they are, even though it's a very slender advantage. Do you think Villarreal have enough to go to the final? Or do you think Arsenal have a say? Yeah, yeah no, Villarreal, I think I'll expect you know Emery to put one over his old club once again, other than the home leg. And so I think you know, I'm predicting a 1-0 win for Villarreal over here. Okay. I also think Villarreal will go through, but it will not be easy. I'm going to go for a two-all draw, which means that Villarreal will go through because they've had that extra goal. goal. Well, we've had our predictions. Uh, We're done with the last section. Thank you so much to Bhargav for joining me, my regular resident. Thank you so much, Shubham. It's your first time on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It's great having you. Great talking about Chelsea and, of course, about everything else. And we're definitely going to try and get you on the, the episode in the future as well. Thank you so much. Before um, we all go, I'd like to shout out my socials once. We're on we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Tactical Stand. I'm not going to do the same thing and promise you that we're going to be uh, posting stuff. It's been very few busy weeks. We're all very busy. But yeah, thank you so much and, and we will see you at the same time next week. Stay tuned. Thank you.